That's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for Gerrard! The Ghost Goal Podcast. Tottenham waltzed their way to victory on Saturday with a 4-0 victory over Huddersfield. Lucas Mora had a very nice hat-trick over the relegated Terriers. Manchester United granted out a 2-1 victory over West Ham thanks to two Paul Pogba goals scored from the penalty spot. Manchester City won 3-1 over Palace to briefly take them to the top of the Premier League table. Raheem Sterling netting a brace in that one. Liverpool exercised some demons, defeated Chelsea 2-0 thanks to an opener from Mane and a golazo from Mo Salah, and Arsenal won 1-0 on Monday Night Football over Watford thanks to an Aubameyang opener and an early Troy Deeney red card. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast. We are a day late. I'm Andrew Passaro, in here with Alex Moss, Javier Arevalo, and Alex, did you not want to face the music, or did you fall asleep at the wheel yesterday? Alex had, Alex, Alex was sleeping. What? I tried to what? wake him up. What? Is it 11 o'clock? He's, oh, okay, yeah, I'm awake, right, I'm here. He's I'm here, here now. Um. Yeah. Uh, regrettably, I uh, I fell asleep yesterday. You tried to you tried to not appear on the yeah. Bar, no, I, I Javier tried to pull on Javier even when he wasn't even when sick, we won, like, right? Even when we won, headache or part. something. <laughs> yeah, you made up a headache to get out of doing the episode last night. I, I don't I don't know what that was for. But yeah, I fell asleep watching highlights last night. Uh, yeah, just. I, what can I say? I, I'm, I'm a bear. I hibernate. Once I'm asleep, it's very hard to wake me up. And uh, I didn't wake up till two or three in the morning. So uh, yeah, here we are on Tuesday night. Whatever. Uh, Premier League didn't yeah, even end no, until I, Tuesday I night, right? The Premier League week today. didn't end it's until Tuesday. Very night. important very continuity, important guys. Continuity happened today. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second here. Yeah, but yeah the uh, the Arsenal Chel- or the Chelsea Liverpool game, regrettable. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll dive into that a little bit later. We'll get there. We'll get there. Just like Mo Salah's screamer got there. We'll get there, Alex. Uh, Leicester started off the week losing 1-0 to Newcastle. Uh, then we got, like I said, we got into Saturday. Tottenham winning 4 nothing over Huddersfield. I got that score prediction right. Bournemouth... Uh, Absolutely destroyed Brighton 5-0. A big road win for the Cherries. Burnley beating Cardiff 2-0. That one's important for the relegation battle. Fulham. Relegated Fulham, who all of us gave no chance to, won 2-0 at home against Everton. I I had faith in their attacking prowess. You did. But if you're an Everton fan, you just hate to see that. I mean, when when a seventh place spot could lead to a European spot, losing two nil on the road to a relegation side. I mean, you just hate to see that. Also, Andre Gomes picking up a three game suspension after this. You you just you really hate to see that. Southampton got a big three one victory over Wolves, and that leads us. To Manchester United, who got a 2-1 victory over West Ham. Javier getting this one correct. One of two correct scores for him this week, which brings him up to 18th. Uh, 18 points on our on our prediction table. Um, 
not the best, cleanest win for Manchester United. I will say two two definite penalties in my mind, but not not really a great performance from United, but an important result nonetheless. Garbage performance. I don't know about was, that. Okay, the, but there was a the goal second that penalty they was pretty stonewall. A clear goal where the where the player was like yeah it was yeah like, that's the, true the guy was like over a yard like half a yard on side it was Philippe it was Philippe Anderson was on and they didn't see whoever was playing right back Dallet I think clearly the attacker was on side when the ball was played but somehow the officials got it wrong again and that would have completely changed the whole game the whole complexion of the game because that was even before the penalty happened so it felt like you know, uh, in those first 15 minutes, you know, West Ham were playing super well. West Ham just, out, uh, it felt for, uh, especially the first half, West Ham outplayed Manchester United. And United were definitely improved in the second half, but I don't know. It, it felt like West Ham got really unlucky to, to come out with a loss here. I'll say this. Manchester United are not going to get a lot of big results with a center-back pairing of Chris Smalling and Phil Jones. If I was a Manchester United fan, those would be like the two guys I'd want to sell first this summer, and they they will probably both stay. Well, like, good luck they're with that. Just, Chris Smalling just signed a, like a five-year extension or something. <laughs> I know, I know. And as a Liverpool fan, I'm excited about it because he's not he can, Manchester he be United winning a title, he, he a winning a Europe-level player. Yes. He, he's the he's the one of the least of their problems. They have bigger problems than that, but... I, I thought it was, yeah, the, was, midfield the midfield was the most shocking part of this, where where that was one of the places where, based off of uh, the same two men midfield, like just because Pogba had two penalty goals doesn't mean he right, well. yeah, like but but they still they still United played Declan fans. Rice and Mark Noble together like they did in the Chelsea game the previous Monday, and I, I, I cited that game as a reason why I thought United would dominate them in midfield, but instead Declan Rice looks like the ninety million pound player that Paul Pogba is. Paul Pogba looked like an afterthought other than the two penalties, which can I just say thank you, Paul Pogba, for retiring the uh, the extended run-up. You weren't very good at it. Oh, Leave it slow. to the professionals. Leave it to the guys who are actually good at that stuff. Uh, the slow run-up from Paul Pogba was so annoying. Yeah, he really drew it out. And they put it in FIFA 19 too, which is like, – I haven't used it yet. i got to use that. Oh, man. He's not even that good at that. Like why did you – why did they put it in the game, you know? But yeah, I mean, this was United at home under under Solskjaer in the Premier League. They've been unbeatable there. They've been perfect, I think, under Solskjaer. Have they dropped any points at home? Yeah, to Liverpool. Yeah, they drew. They drew. Right. They drew. Right. It was just a draw. But I mean, but we we kind that, of praised them for that draw. <laughs> and and the Barcelona game, if we want to. Oh well, you did say Premier League. That's my bad. Yeah, I just my said bad. in the Premier League. Uh, but but yeah, I I just think that this is them. You know. At their home stadium, I think you you should expect them now to be to beat almost everyone there. It's going to be really tough to beat them there. It, like it feels like the magic is back there, even when they play bad. They get these bullshit wins when they get a penalty. They get the calls that go their way again. They get the the last minute winners, the Lukaku deflection, whatever it's going to be. It just feels like that stuff's going their way for them this season, and that's part of getting the magic back going at that club. They need to get those. Big, you know, they need to get those decisions. They need to get, they used to get those decisions all the time, and feels like in the last, you know, four or five years, maybe whether it's been sour managers or you know players, they just haven't been getting the the, the those calls and those decisions and a lot of those results. It just it feels like under Solskjaer they are well. So I still they're going to need like, those. 
despite despite it being yeah they've like, got three big games coming up. I mean, I know Everton just lost. Yeah, it's but huge. They, I mean, these, that's, I mean their their season is 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 in the balance. Well, their next right two now, home so. games are Chelsea and Man City or Man City and Chelsea. Just comes up short, or you know. And I think even if he just comes up short, do you do you still do you still like? They already gave him the job. Yeah, they yeah he's gave the manager. The job, so I feel like it's it's fine. It's fine. Whatever happens here, just they they have to they have to not get blown out and destroyed. The question yeah. about Manchester United and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer isn't whether was he like the bigger question is is he going to be able to do what you not what Mourinho couldn't do and move on some of this deadwood and bring in players that he can actually build a side that can play attacking football around. That's the biggest question. And that that question we're not going to answer until the summer. So let's let's move on to some of our next results. Uh, Manchester City winning on the road at Crystal Palace. Javier nailed that one 3-1. Like I said, Raheem Sterling with two goals. Milivojevic uh, scored one in the 81st to make it nervy for a hot second. And then Gabriel Jesus sealed the game off. With a win, uh, like I, I like I, like I tweeted, best part about this result, I didn't have to go buy a fifty dollars t shirt, uh, and that brings us to the biggest game of the weekend. You can't even deny it, and that was Liverpool's two 0 victory over Chelsea. One, one more, one second and, about Man City. I do just want to mention, not like to analyze the game, but that we'll probably talk about Man City a little bit more on the uh, preview pod after they've played Tottenham in the Champions League this week. So, Man City fans, we're not completely yeah. ignoring you guys. That was an impressive win, I guess. <laughs> but the, the, we need to spend our uh, our minutes on uh, things we really care about, including, uh, most importantly, this next game. Yeah, I mean, y- y- the two clubs that brought this podcast to existence, Liverpool and Chelsea, uh, two goals in the second half in a matter of like three minutes, a Sadio Mane header and a Mo Salah just magic a moment that blew the, the well, the non-existent roof off Anfield. Um, but what a game and, and what a first half there were both. There was a, it was a tight first half. Chelsea was, I wouldn't say had a ton of chances, but they, they frustrated Liverpool well in the first half. And there were two moments where Liverpool had opportunities and they seized them. And then, not much longer after that, Eden Hazard got behind our back line twice. There was one Allison save, and there was one moment where Hazard hit the post, and that could have been it. That could have been 2-2. Two, two, and we that's, know, that, that's what I was saying. I was hanging out with Javier, my brother, watching this game, and uh, when the, the, he didn't miss those two chances, the first of which, the one where he hit the post, I literally stood up and said, goal, as soon as the ball got to him. Because I've seen him finish those off a million times before, and when he hit the bar, I was just like in disbelief. But when he, we, he, we missed those two chances – there's 30 minutes left in the game. My 3-2 Chelsea is perfectly poised at that point. It's not likely, obviously, because Liverpool is still playing well and would probably still, you'd think, go on to win the game. But I'm feeling like a genius if Eden scores two, those two chances and it's 2-2 with all that time left. But alas, well, that's you, get un- gonna, you get unlucky that's sometimes when, Klopp, when you go to Anfield. And that's when Klopp brings on Wijnaldum, calms the game down. I thought Klopp, I, Klopp has done very well over the last couple of weeks in terms of managing his substitutes, and he did a, a great job on Sunday. Uh, I was very happy with... I thought... I, sorry, yeah, I thought Nabi Keita was, I think, pretty underwhelming in he, this. Just, he had he his okay. moments. He didn't... 
He was okay. He was okay. He but wasn't. Just, he just, wasn't prolific, but he wasn't bad. Right. And and bringing but, but on. I thought. I thought. Why now? Them probably should have started. Why now? has been coming off. Uh, he hasn't been a hundred percent. I think if you ran him uh, out okay. there, he wasn't. He okay. wasn't going to be ready to give you sixty minutes like Keita was. I was surprised we didn't see Milner from the start, but I was happy to see to see Keita. Um, I Jordan Henderson's again. It seems like Milner's kind of been phased out a little bit. I I think too. He's not either. He, I don't think he's a hundred percent healthy either and I think too in a game like this I again I was surprised Milner didn't start but if he wasn't a hundred percent the way Kate has been playing and and the way that Kate played midweek it makes sense to keep him in I mean, there. How old is uh, Milner now? 35? Something like yeah, that. I'll I mean, look it up. Yeah, you can just rest him because Nabi's what, 23, 24? He's like 30, he's Fabinho, like 32. Fabinho's he's, he's 33. 33 okay. He's Fabinho's 33, 24. Okay. You, uh, Jordan Henderson's in his late 20s. Also, a huge uh, change in Liverpool's uh, formation and just system recently has been uh, Jordan Henderson moving into that more advanced role with Fabinho sitting deeper. I, I don't think any it's a bad I, time for the Jordan. Henderson I, I don't think it's, it's I don't think really any of us really time. liked Jordan Henderson in that yeah, deep position. So no, but okay. So Jordan Henderson at his best when Liverpool bought him what six years ago, seven years ago, he was an attacking midfielder or a box to box like classic English kind of midfielder in like the Steven Gerrard kind of mold. And he kind of gets forced into that deeper role just by the fact that Liverpool have other players in uh, more attacking positions. So they need him back there. And I mean, since that Southampton game where he had the assist and the goal, he's been playing in that in that role. And he's looked like one of your best players uh, on the field. So there's, there's a diversity to the midfield specifically that you can rotate around. And obviously the front three stays the same and the, the back four stays basically the same other than a couple of uh, adjustments for injuries or something. But the diversity of that midfield and the options you guys have there, I mean, it makes it a really tough thing to A, plan for, and B, uh, overcome even when you know how they're going to play or what their best lineup or uh, situation might be. It's, yeah, it's a really impressive team. Um, I do just want to mention, we, I don't think we talked about it on the, the preview pod at all. I probably deserved uh, discussing is the the build up to this game with the uh, another instance of Chelsea fans posting on social media with racist chants, this time about uh, Mohamed Salah. And it was just like in a chip shop or somewhere, but these assholes just sang a song about him being like a suicide bomber and like typical racist, dumb shit. And Mohamed Salah promptly responds with a bomb. And, you know, in that moment, it was such an impressive goal. I was just like, I mean, what are you going to do? That's just, that's world-class right there. I mean... That was one of his probably best three goals at Liverpool. I put that up sure. there. I put the goal against Roma in the Champions League last year. Tottenham. And, um, Tottenham at home. Tottenham. The Tottenham Everton. at home one where he like dribbled. <laughs> He's got a couple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Two things. Two things. Number one, someone should like – Why? how can you let that guy have Cut in on his left. Yeah. On his Thank left you, Emerson. Foot. Yeah. Also, Keppa could have done No, better. come on, man. That thing he was, that thing was hit that. out of the stratosphere. That – no one know, in the league is saying that. Maybe David De Gea, but he made the At move best, so quickly. Not this year's best. <laughs> Allison, maybe. Allison. Yeah, well, no, I mean, David De Gea still has – I mean, in that West Ham game the other day, he had a couple of amazing saves. He's still capable of uh, pulling one out of that hat like that. Don't get me wrong. It was a great goal, but it, I'm – No, dude, I'm, come on. You can't criticize Kepa for either of those goals. I'm a player like that is given that much room and space. Yeah. Like, most blame, teams haven't blame been – seen the play. It's just like <laughs> – it almost happens in slow motion. No, know? it doesn't like, happen in slow motion. Can, Emerson is literally just lets a left-footed player who won the golden boot last year cut onto his left foot and just rip with plenty of power on the ball. 
It's also the fact that it happened two minutes after we'd gone behind one nil. Like you have to know Salah is going to try and take any opportunity there to try and make it a two goal game. He's Liverpool feast off of these runs of energy that like once they score one, they're trying to score second, yeah, third. Liverpool have been absolutely savage at that. Yeah, this I mean, they've been just, savage yep. at that for a couple of years as now. Have you seen their Champions League performances? Their first goal, they'll just pile like a second or a third one on within like a minute, that, like in five minutes, they're up. I three, mean, it's three the power goals. of Anfield. Yep, it's great. Um, but it's awesome. I, I did want to mention, I was uh, in relation to the Mohamed Salah chance conundrum last week, Chelsea came out and uh, and denounced it. Liverpool came out and obviously like accepted Chelsea's club statement. And um, then it was kind of followed up this weekend by some stuff I wasn't really that happy about, like from Liverpool fans. And honestly, I didn't really appreciate Fabinho blowing a snot rocket right next to Eden Hazard's face as he's lying there from a tackle that he just laid on him. I'm sure Liverpool fans was like, oh, yeah, he's our man. But like, you know. Have a bit more class, you know. It's just, it's it's unnecessary. A snot rocket. That's like what one level below spitting on Alex, you. It's so, okay, no, 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 no. It's a significant level below racism. No, no. I'm right saying a stip- it's one level below like spitting in someone's face, blowing a snot rocket by them while they're lying there, like injured, getting like getting helped. You know, it's. It's not to be appreciated. I know, well, Chelsea, I know I, Liverpool fans would be freaking out when Diego Costa did some shit like that to their p- players when we were kicking your ass a couple of years ago. So, you know, well, I actually I'm, just, counter, I'm just, I wanna... I'm just going to say that kind of stuff is like, it's not really endearing you to anyone else. Also throwing smoke bombs into the Chelsea crowd and chanting rent boys and shit like that, which <laughs> Liverpool have come out and like denounced everything. And they're going to make arrests supposedly. I'm just kind of like, Listen, Chelsea fans, there's a whole lot of shitheads in Chelsea, but there's an equal amount of shitheads I mean, you in guys, Liverpool and you, Arsenal you and Tottenham. You guys sing the, the Gerard Slip song more than anybody else, and I will say, fantastic banter by Andy Robertson to, to slip. put, the picture, to put yeah. the picture up and be like, relax, guys, and to clock say, <laughs> close said. the book on it. And, and I will say one more thing. I usually really like the NBC team, but I felt like the entire time, any moment they could mention Gerard Slip, they were bringing it up in the broadcast. And it's like, guys, relax. Like, there's only one player on the field right now for Liverpool who was a part of that game. Like, you, like, the narrative is not really there. It's only there because you're bringing it up. Like, you, like, the NBC team was just as annoying about the slip as Chelsea fans are any time we play them. And, like, that was, like, that generally irritated me because I usually really like Arlo. I think he does a great job. But the entire time on Sunday, I felt like they were waiting for Liverpool to screw up and make a mistake. And honestly, like, other than the two times that Hazard got back there, it really didn't happen. I know you didn't like the way Fabinho handled Hazard in that one moment, but for the most part, he did a damn good job of handling him. He played really well. I wasn't denouncing how he played the game. Just like that one moment, I'm just kind of like, you guys are doing nothing wrong in my eyes up until now. You blow a snot rocket right by Eden Hazard's, like, head, like, Come on, man! Like, just chill out for a second. Like, what, what are you what are you doing there? Are you trying to like intimidate him or some shit? Like, he's done this a million times before, and you know, maybe it worked. Maybe Eden missed those two chances because of that. Who knows? But um, the I, sad the sad it. thing is, I said this to Javier, is that that performance is probably our best performance away against one of the top six sides this season. And we still lost two 0 So uh, I mean, you can take that as 
a bit of encouragement for uh, in a week or two when we play United away, um, who obviously aren't as good as Liverpool, but will still be a tough test. Uh, it it, it kind of showed me a little bit more willingness from sorry to be a bit more pragmatic than be as like dogmatic and committed to his Cerismo all of the time. Because it's clear right now we don't have the players to go to Anfield, I guess, and play Cerismo 100%. And play you guys off the park. We just don't. We just can't do it. But we did our best in this like adjusted defensive lineup. And you know, maybe on another day we could have gotten lucky. Ajax could do it. They're definitely playing Cerezmo. Yeah, they are. That's. I mean, that's something we aspire to get to. I love it. Love watching it. Let's uh, let's jump over to Monday, where, like I said, Arsenal got a one nil victory. Aubameyang in the tenth minute, and then a Troy Deeney red card. Uh, I want to pull the room. What did you guys think of the red card? Definitely soft, very soft. Alex? Yeah, but it's one of those ones that normally like a yellow card would be given at most and uh, the Arsenal fans would be like, what are you talking about? And seeing it back would be like, why didn't he get a red card for that? He literally laid his like forearm into Torreira's chin and he tried to play it off. It's like, oh, I grazed him. I just bumped him as I was running past. And it was pretty uh it's pretty much on purpose yeah, but it's the, i think because of the intent yeah, it's the, that was the, the intent that counts like i mean you literally see the assistant referee like stick his elbow and say i mean he he clearly like moved his elbow toward his head which is like completely unnecessary to do yes yeah, so it's a red card and i mean they're setting a precedent they're they're trying to say like don't do <laughs> the that problem anymore. is they're not consistent with cards. it they're, they never have been and they never yeah. will be yeah that's the biggest problem right but i mean i i thought it was really soft at the time and I mean, I was ecstatic, right? Because, you know, all the, Ends the game. comment Dini had about us having no cojones and now he's not there off the pitch. Yeah, so. But, you know, typical Arsenal after that, we do absolutely nothing for the next 80 minutes and. Uh, Mikatari missed Carl a sitter. Up in a nutsack and uh, just. We li- I aged like maybe. Three years watching that game. It was. I saw. I don't know if it was a if it was, it was a awful. tweet from an Arsenal fan or a message in this group chat that I'm a part of. But I I think it was a very important point for Arsenal down the stretch. Style of play is not important right now. Results are important, and Arsenal got the result. And really, that's. And I know I've come out in criticism of the style of play for Emery, but at this point, I guess I do see that. And you know, we've got less than a month left in the season fourth place or third place if it's still attainable is all that's in, all that matters and and you can play all the ugly football you want now as long as you play attractive football next year that's where you know that's when we'll judge you then but it, they can play attractive football next year if they make the top four and then can go sign some people and move some people on I think that's probably the best take I've heard about Arsenal coming out of this game yeah I mean Unai's realized something uh way earlier then uh, Maurizio Sarri, who it took a 6-0 drubbing at Man City to realize, oh, wait, I have to play defensively sometimes. Unai's a bit more pragmatic. And uh, yeah, he's made good use of this Arsenal squad, I, I, I would say, especially with the injuries. Javier's mentioned that to me many, many times, that considering the injuries that Arsenal have had to uh, Hector Bellerin, to Danny Welbeck, to uh, help me out here, Javier, who else? Rob Holding. Rob Holding, yeah. yeah, who, I mean, people forget. You can criticize K- that, Kishelny but just Holding came, was one of your best Kishelny defenders. just came in February. Right. So we, we didn't have – we had we had to play Mustafi in like that bad stretch we had for a month and a half. It was That's all we had. So, I mean, it's just – it's things like that. And then, like you said, Andrew, I mean, we, there's a lot of times where <clears throat> when we have our first-choice players – 
maybe we don't necessarily look the best style-wise, like we don't style on people, but we get the results. A lot of times, you know, we get clean sheets and we get like multiple goal wins, like 2-0 wins, and it might not be the prettiest thing ever, like it was under Wenger, but I much prefer the results. I way prefer getting the points on the board, and uh, Leno now, since we've had uh, Koscielny and, and Socrates playing together, uh, I think in the last six games, we, he has five clean sheets that he's played. So that's a massive change from what we what we were doing earlier in the season where we couldn't keep two clean sheets in a row. We didn't do it until March. So 33 games played. They're on 66 points. They are a point behind Tottenham, who are on the same amount of games played. Chelsea with one more game played, equal on 66 points, and United on 64 with 33 games played. So... It's all there to play for. And the fact that Tottenham still have to play City, the fact that Chelsea still have to play United, it's... United have to play City and Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's... I mean, they could not have played this We have much to better. play uh, Wolves. Yeah. And Leicester away. Those are our two difficult-ish games. Let's, uh, let's take a quick look at the bottom of the table. Brighton lost 2-0 to Cardiff today. And that was important for the following reason. Uh, Brighton are now very much in trouble right now. They're on 33 games played on 33 points. They are three points behind Southampton, um, who are also on 33 games. Cardiff have four games remaining. They're on 34 games and 31 points. Escape is possible for Cardiff. The question is, I mean, they Cardiff have to play Liverpool this weekend. Um, and then they play Fulham Crystal Palace and close the city, close the year with Manchester United. They have to take six points from the Fulham and the Palace games, um, and they need some help from Brighton. Uh, do you want me to? Now, do you want me to run through Brighton's real quick? Because it's a gauntlet. Because yeah. they, while they have oh, one more game to play, it. it's uh, it's, it's full of top good. six or seven teams. It's uh, Wolves away, Spurs away. Uh, they'll have the last two games will be Arsenal away and Man City at home. Uh, the one game that you could realistically see. I mean, Wolves, yes, they could pull something off there, but they have one of the worst away records in the Premier League. Uh, the one game that you'd think they have to absolutely win is the Newcastle home game in two or three weeks. Meanwhile, Cardiff, as you just mentioned, have a slightly easier schedule, uh, but they're two points behind. So it's it's really, really even, and you wonder how the momentum of Cardiff not only beating Brighton uh, uh, away, but beating them pretty convincingly, 2-0, a hell of a goal from Nathaniel Mendes Lang to open it. I don't know if you guys saw that one, but I did see it, but I didn't Cardiff, watch the game. Cardiff just pulled these league. these like belters out of nowhere. Sometimes we've seen Camarasa do it a couple times this season. We've seen uh, Junior Hoylet do it a couple times this season, and now Mendes Lang. They've uh, Neil Warnock. He really gets like just a little bit extra out of relatively on paper average players, and. Uh, Brighton are just having a historic, like, fall apart kind of season where, I mean, there's so many players from last season's team that you thought of as solid, like Izquierdo and Pascal Gross, who just haven't turned up this season. I mean, there's been some injuries, but it seems like they've been carried by Glenn Murray. And then they go out and sign uh, Ali Reza Jahan Bakash, for the leading goal scorer from the Dutch League last year. And he has a total of zero goals in the Premier League in 15 appearances. He started this game. He was a, a non-threat. Murray, he's 35 or 36. He can't continue to keep those goals up. It, it, it was an issue. It was an issue that we kind of foresaw with Brighton, but we kind of thought their home form would get them through it. 
hell, I thought they would win these these two games at home, and they got just absolutely played off the park by Bournemouth and Cardiff. It's it's really it's it's disappointing, but at this point, I wouldn't. I don't think it would be undeserved if they if they were the team that got relegated and Cardiff stayed up. We've seen far more like uh, promising performances from Cardiff this season. Do we think Southampton's officially safe, or are they still like three, probably three points away from safety? No, they definitely need probably one more win. Southampton, Southampton are going to play Newcastle straight up this weekend. Uh, then they will play Watford. They've got Bournemouth, West Ham, and then Huddersfield in the last game of the season. That, that's a really easy schedule. They'll definitely get some wins in that. Yeah, and they're they're doing pretty. They played well in most of their last few. Yeah, they're pictures. playing well right now. Yeah. They're on good form, so I, I I'm sure they'll win a couple. Of Burnley those have a really tough schedule to end, and I know they're a little bit ahead of all those teams, but you never know. Only on 39 points. Only on 39. So. Uh, no, nah, Burnley are safe. Yeah, probably, but their last probably. three games are against top six sides, I believe, including Arsenal and Chelsea, who are both going for top four. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, actually, be- actually, Burnley might not get points for the rest of the season. That's, that's what I'm saying. Uh, Ch- Chelsea away, City home, Everton away, Arsenal home. Right. That's. They'll look at the Everton away game. Think maybe. They might just need something. a draw. You know what I mean? They might yeah. just need that one right. point to get them to 40. But I really don't think Cardiff can get 39 points. No, I don't that either. Would take an ins- that would take – aren't they at 31? They're at – They would need yeah. eight more yeah. points. Yeah. It's a big ask. That's impossible. Just wanted, just wanted to mention them. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot, yeah. Uh, we are because we're here and we had a little Champions League today. We did talk about it. Um, we want to we have a quick conversation about – well – there's there's a couple things. Manchester United knocked out by Barcelona today, three nothing at the uh, at the Camp Nou. Messi, Messi, Coutinho, done and dusted, and Juventus. Just that's what happens when uh, Smalling and uh, Phil Jones Jones go up against Lionel Messi. Yeah, you you don't put a, you don't put two seventy eights. Up against the ninety-four. Okay. You to be fair, I think I think anyone, Fred deserves to be thrown in there that? for getting absolutely sauced on by Messi for the first goal and just letting basically making the same mistake yeah, that Fred's Emerson been, made Fred's with been uh, Salah. Fifty million pounds. Yeah. Not not a, it, not great. Well, I don't know what they who who saw who saw that. Well, that I think vibe, but. I think United did. They, you know, Fred was going all but done and dusted going to Manchester City, and then United were like, "Oh well, City wants to buy him, so we should buy him." What if that was just a smokescreen the entire time by City that what, they were like it never was for really Alexis gonna... Sanchez? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and United bid on both. Congratulations, of them. you played yourself. <laughs> you know, I just have so much money that they're willing to just as soon as they hear some like another. You have big to stop City from getting him, City. Like, oh, we got to stop them from getting these players. Let's throw some money To be around. fair, I'm Box. sure City wished they uh, they had let United steal Riyad Mahrez away from them. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they did. I will say, that Barcelona back line, though, um, there were moments in the opening 15 minutes of that match where Manchester United could have gotten a couple goals and made it interesting. Um, I don't want to have a conversation about Liverpool-Barcelona until it's ready to, to, to ready to happen because we're taping this pre-Liverpool-Barcelona. So for liverpool we'll Porto, con- look, you're even, you're even yeah, predicting it right away. <laughs> we'll save that conversation for another day. But I do want to talk about Juventus, who fell 2-1, lose 3-2 on aggregate to Ajax. Ajax have now gone to Real Madrid oh, I can't believe and I Juventus. That. I'm so... Ugh. And Cristiano Ronaldo scored so in the times. games, and they didn't win. 
Like that's the the craziest part of all of this. And I actually got completely outplayed. Yeah, again, the entire game over two legs. And and, and yeah, and uh, again, like Real Madrid. Was it delete? Was it delict or was it uh, De Jong who said after the game that that it was uh, this was uh, it was harder in Madrid? I think I think it was De Jong. Yeah, yeah. Yeesh. I, I, which is <laughs> yeah, all time quote all time. I, I, okay, I don't. I, he, he was also the one who was like, "Yeah, I want Ronaldo to, to be fit for both legs because we need to beat them at wow. full strength." Like these guys are cocky, you know. But they have reason Classy to be. It feels, like, it feels like this is this is more of a team than the Monaco team of two years ago. While Kylian Mbappe is more of an individual talent than possibly anyone on this team, Andrew, we were talking about this before the pod. Yeah. And I was going to say, I I don't know if I necessarily agree with that in that. It's possible that uh, Delict yeah. is like a generational talent like Kylian Mbappe just as a defender. I'm getting some serious John I mean, Terry vibes we, from uh, Matthias Delict. We, we could be just Ooh. seeing this guy who's going to be a absolute monster on Barcelona for the next 15 years or wherever he goes. Uh, De, uh, De Jong's the one who's already signed for Barcelona. Yes, yeah, $75 right? so million. We don't know where Delict is going. But, he's he's you know, going to he, Barcelona. Wherever he ends up, he's going to be an absolute he's, monster. He's going to Barcelona. Could, the, so the Bayern, it could be Barca. The Bayern rumors or Bayern. PSG or whatever it is, like they're just to drive he's up at, the price even more that Barcelona have to pay. It's, he's, he's out of Bayern's price. He's out of Bayern's price because they just dropped $80 million on on Lucas Hernandez. Like They might have to pay 160 to get Matias Delight. Uh, I'd love to for Virgil van Dijk to convince him to come play at Liverpool together. Um, I'd be all in on that. You guys th- are getting Timo Werner, Andrew. Just I'm okay with that, too. Calm down. You'll be happy with that. We're going to have a lot of money to spend, Javier. We're going to have a lot yeah, of money. Yeah, Timo Werner. He's going to be like $150 million. No, he's, no, he's not money. because he's almost out of contract. He's on his la- he's on last... 120, 120. He might not. They might not even. They might not even need to pay a hundred for him. He might be like seventy five. I think like be- 70, 60. Yeah, yeah. He's on. Oh, he's if they get him for that, I'll. I'll Chelsea, I'll Chelsea are people. asking for at a starting price a hundred million for hundred million pounds for Eden Hazard because he's on the last year of his deal. You can't ask for more for Timo Werner. He's not better than Eden Hazard yet. Like that's he might never be better than Eden Hazard. They're also two different style of players, but. Uh, yeah, but Timo Werner's 21 and the starting striker on the German national team. Who like. bounced out of the World Cup of the first round why, why last Why are we time? talking about Liverpool's transfer targets going forward? <laughs> because well, no, we talked about Delight. Because I just said I wanted to talk about Delight. Yeah, because I yeah, – Yeah, well, the whole point was Barcelona. I think that this team – Yeah, let's let's go back to the, uh, the, the Juventus-Ajax. But I think that this Ajax team is better than the Monaco. Well, we saw five players move on from Monaco. Because you had Mbappe went to PSG. Just that summer, uh, yeah. Bakayoko to Chelsea. Summer. Bakayoko to Chelsea. Bernardo Silva uh, to Man City. Bernardo, oh, I think it's six. Mendy then. to Fabinho, Man City. Mendy to Man City. Fabinho to Liverpool. Thomas Lamar was the following to Madrid. Year, but yeah, the, yeah, but eventually but that whole I mean. team basically left except for Falcao. Um, yeah, and Sidibe. Basically, the entire this entire team is going to leave. Well, um, I don't know about that. Ziyech Z- 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 is older. Uh, he's Ziyech is older. Uh, he's twenty six. I don't know if he's going to get a big money move to like another. Andrew, uh, I would what? take him right now at Chelsea. I would, <laughs> I would take him so too. But right at twenty six, I don't know if I'm spending over a hundred million for him. Well, uh, then there's uh, Tagliafico. It seems Tadich like, okay, guys, to seven. the listeners, it seems like we, we've just plucked this Monaco comparison out of thin air. So it, it, it is worth mentioning that this Ajax team is on a Cinderella-type run that in this decade of the Champions League, you can probably only really compare to uh, 
Monaco, but I mean, the other one that came to mind, but I don't think really holds weight is uh, people always say that Chelsea went on a Cinderella run in 2012, but that team was full of like world-class players who were trying one last time to win it. These are all young, promising, unproven teams who have played attractive, uh, exciting and goals. People forget that Monaco team was the, they outscored PSG in the league that season. They were scoring yeah. goals for fun that year. Uh, and they transferred that over to the Champions League. They beat Man City. They beat Dortmund. Uh, and then uh, fell in the semifinal to, I think, uh, Juventus. Or, yep. Yeah. So it, I think they beat Spurs along the way, too. Yeah, maybe during the group stage. But uh, yeah. yeah, this this uh, Ajax team have taken down the three-time European champions in Real Madrid, albeit a, a uh, not as great of a Real Madrid. Three and, straight European championships, not three time, more than sorry, that, but you three know straight. I mean. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, yes. And now Juventus, and I mean, it's it's. I don't want to play the how many players are going to leave this team game because I mean, uh, who who knows? Maybe like, if, maybe if they go as far as winning the Champions League, which we'll talk about on our uh, our next preview pod, uh, maybe they are able to keep a few more players than uh, than you, you might expect. So it's it's completely up to the result of how this run goes for them. And don't forget, they're also in the cup final in, in Holland. And they're still in there with a shout for the league in Holland. So there could be a historic treble on for this IX team. So um, it's really impressive by them. I don't want to say that we called it, but we were right there teetering on the edge, uh, telling you guys to place bets. And I tried to talk Javier into taking them, but he wouldn't do it. I want, to, I want a quick shout out to the fact that Dusan Tadic and Daily Blind, we look back on their Premier League tenure as not great. As and they're average. playing be- yeah, they're playing beautiful football in the, in the Champions League, in historical grounds. They also didn't lose to Bayern over in the two games that they played Bayern Munich. Yeah, like, like in the group stage. They, yeah, in the group stage. Like this is a damn good team, and it, and there's there isn't a Mbappe on this team. Like Neres and Ziyech are very good, and they're I mean Neres is younger. I think he's twenty two. Yeah, but. He doesn't have the ceiling that Mbappe has. Neither does Ziyech. Uh, Donny Van de Beek, good player. Frankie De Jong and and Delict are Delict are the two like guys that are going to transfer the highest talent. money. So, Generational talent. He's also like twenty three. Yeah, he's really really good too. Yeah, this is, but this is great management too. And they're playing. I mean, they're playing Dutch football. Re- remember the name is, Eric Ten Hag. You will probably see him. I'm guessing in the Bundesliga pretty soon. Guessing some Bundesliga team's gonna snatch him up like they did with every other promising Dutch manager. Yeah, I I mean honestly, Bayern like probably Hoffenheim after Nagelsmann. I honestly, if they make the Champions League final, might be might be. There are a lot of Bayern. There are a lot of Bayern Munich fans who are not happy with Nico Kovac, and I would not be surprised to see Bayern just pull the plug, make that call to Ajax and be like how much and just buy out the manager because why not you know <laughs> why the hell not well we don't have time to dive into why they should or why they shouldn't maybe on maybe on yes. the, the the Champions League pod but yeah he's doing an excellent job and um Javier and I were talking earlier about how for the majority of this second leg Ajax were playing with their second choice fullbacks because Tagliafico was suspended and Mesrawi, the uh, right back, got injured 10 minutes in and had to be subbed out. So 
they're just a well-oiled machine. They're a great cohesive team u- team unit, and I, I give them a chance against any of the remaining teams left in the Champions League. And yes, I do mean against Barcelona, Man, uh, Man City, or Liverpool for that matter. Yeah, uh, Champions League is the best thing of all time, and TNT is bottling it. Just don't forget that. <laughs> don't forget that. Uh, that about wraps up things here. Um, follow us on social media for the latest hot takes coming coming out of all of us at Andrew Passaro at ASMOS92 at JavierRev9 at Pod. Like, review, subscribe, help us grow. Shout out to Anchor for making everything easier on our end. If you're a podcaster, go check them out. Um, and until next time. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best ending ever. I'm not kidding, though.